once again, I'd like to welcome everybody. For those that are in the auditorium, uh, those that are in overflow, and those maybe watching online or later, my name is Rob, and I serve as one of the pastors here at Solid Rock. And so uh, we have want, we wanted to start this year off. After last year, we we talked about what Paul's prayer was uh, for Christians and for himself and for other people. Uh, in this prayer that he says in the beginning of Colossians chapter 1. And I kind of wanted to challenge us for this year to simplify our thinking about what it means for us to have goals and resolutions and things that we'd like to see happen in 2023. And besides all the, the, the stuff that we, we want to see happen, that, that we, we need to have happen, the things that we feel we need to happen, or the things that we desperately want to happen, the most important desire and goal that we should have for 2023 as a church and individually is for us to get into and remain in the center of God's will. That, that's it. That's the goal for The Rock this year is for our individual members and congregants and us corporately to stay in the center of God's will. And so that, that sounds really lofty, and sometimes it may, it may sound like something that, that we want to put on a bumper sticker, but I'm, I'm dead serious. The only thing that I want us to do this year is to be not only at peace, but in tune with God, and that we do what he wants us to do. And you go, man, I try to do that every day. I, I get it. So do I. But how many times, if you're honest and you're brave enough, how many times do we slip out of the center of God's will because we did something stupid? Right? Or we slip out of the center of God's will because we picked something that we thought was just as good. Or, or how about this? If, if we're really honest, sometimes we slip out of the center of God's will because we've settled for something second best. Right? Sometimes some of us are like, you know what? I'm okay where I am spiritually. I, I, don't, I don't need it. To, we'll never say it that way. But, what, but the way we act is I don't need, I don't need all that. I, I'm okay where I am. And those of us that, that have any um, inkling or have been a part of anything to do with the recovery movement in this country and the round, around the world, when we start thinking that we've arrived or we don't need any more, we slip. It's true. Whether you believe in a God or whether you read the Bible or not, if you stay just where you are and you don't get closer to where you want to go, you'll wind up slipping back to where you were. And so what do we do when it comes to the center of God's will? How do we maintain this relationship with Jesus? Because, because that's what it is, to stay in the center of God's will. For some of us, that may sound a little bit too much like Christianese, so let's, let, let's break it down. I know, you, you guys know I don't like the word unpack, but I'm going to use it. Let's unpack what this means, okay? How, how do, how, what does it mean to be in the center of God's will? It basically means that we get closer to Jesus, because remember, he isn't the one that moves. We do. So if we want to stay in close proximity to Jesus, or, or I, I dare you to try to get closer to Jesus than you did last year, you can do nothing but stay in the center of God's will if you get closer to Jesus. So there's a couple of things that we have to think about, though. What, what does it mean to be in the center of God's will? A, a, a better question could be this. What does God want me to do with my life? with my day, with my relationships, with my diet, 
with my family, with my job, or anything that you want to put in that blank, what does God want me to do this year with that? And so to stay in the center of God's will, if we're saying that it's getting closer to Jesus, I'm really excited to, to tell you and to remind some of us that Jesus wrote a love letter to us. The Bible. 66 books for millennia, inspired by God himself. God breathed that he moved writers to write exactly what he wanted them to write to individual people, to individual uh, groups for individual purposes, but then preserve that for us to have today so that it wasn't just good for a local church in the first century of Rome. It wasn't just good for someone centuries back in the Old Testament or a prophet. It is good and it, it, it is vicarious and it, it is live and active for us today. Jesus wrote us his love letter and our guide to show us how to stay in the center of God's will. Man, mark it down. No book in history has not just the academic or intellectual clout that the Bible does, but has historical documentation that the words that were there actually were there. It takes scholars a long time to try to disprove the Bible when it's easier just to realize it is what it is. And for us, for those of faith, it is our final word for, for how we believe and how we practice. This was God's gift to us, the Bible. And so for, oh, in order for us to stay in the center of God's will, I submit to you that the first thing that we need to do is learn how to read and stay in the Bible. Because if we just go by, well, you know, Rob said this last week or this preacher on, on, on this uh, podcast said this and this blog said this and then I read back some commentary said this and, and everything that we know about the Bible comes from another author besides God who wrote the book, then I'm telling you we settled for some sort of second rate type of center of God's will. And anything outside of the pure center of God's will is not the center of God's will. So I, I'm, I'm asking you, have we settled for less than? I'm asking you, have, have we decided that we've had enough of spirituality and we don't need any more of Jesus? Or are we courageous enough to say, you know what, maybe, just maybe, if I focused this year on staying in the center of God's will in every aspect of my life, then maybe, just maybe, we would see that breakthrough that we've been praying for for decades. Maybe we would see that, that, that the chains that seem to be on us of habitual sin, maybe it's addiction, maybe it's, it's, it's working too much, maybe it's, it, it's getting angry, whatever it is, maybe those chains would fall off if we just got and stayed in the center of God's will. It doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that we're not, that we're not going to relapse. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have instances where we fall. But, but let me ask you a question. Do you realize that the Bible, there's actually a verse in the Bible that says a righteous man falls several times. And then what happens to him though? He gets back up. So what does it mean to stay in the center of God's will? And what does it mean to actually read his word?
So for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how, how we read the Bible. And this won't be exhaustive. On like if, if you, After the four weeks, you'll know how to read everything in the Word of God. But I, I do want to jumpstart you into thinking this way, that if we can just get into the Word of God on a regular basis, that our lives would change drastically. Because this is what Christianity is about. This is what a relationship with Jesus is about, is God not only getting a hold of our soul and saving it, not only having forgiveness of sins and not only having eternal life, the goal that God has for us is to stay in the center of his will so that we can bring him glory and it definitely be for our good. Your life can be completely transformed if you just get into the word. And you say, man, that sounds, that sounds big. That sounds like maybe for you because that's your job. I'm telling you, in this room, there are people right now that would share with you that their lives changed for the better or for the worse based on how they've been doing with being in the word of God. And some of us who have had just just these spurts or these bouts with not being in the word because of whatever reason, depression, um, just anxiety, and we've decided to go the other way, or just, you know, just being lackadaisical and just getting out of practice. For those of us, you know, who've had moments that we haven't been in the word, we would share with you what a relief it was when we got back to the word. But here's the thing. Here's my biggest concern as, as your pastor and as your friend. Let's not have 2023 be the year that we have this roller coaster relationship with the word. That from like January to mid-February, it's like, wee, then all of a sudden something happens, taxes or whatever, and we go, boop, work, whatever happens. For some of us, especially those that, that are involved in, 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 uh, in, in, in industries like agriculture and things like that, things get busy. Harvest time comes. All these things happen. You have to plant. You have to do all these things. Those of you that are truck drivers, you understand as well these long shifts that you have. And those that are, that are serving, uh, you know, in the military or police, you understand long shifts. Nurses, you guys get this. The thing is, sometimes we excuse not reading the word because of how our job schedule is. And I'm telling you, let's make 2023 the year. No matter what's going on, we're still getting in the Bible. We live in a day and age where you can have the Bible readily accessible wherever you're going. Somebody can read it to you. Did you know that? You can, you can get into an app that somebody, I saw last week, and, and I know that it was somebody, it, it, it was some nerd that figured this out. I'm sorry, nerd's a bad word. The geek figured it out, right? And, and, so, and some geek figured out, because geek, geeks rule the world, world. You know that, right? You know geeks rule the world, right? They're, they're the ones that control everything, right? They, move, they make everything work. And so somebody figured out how to get Darth Vader to read the word to you. God loves you. I mean, like, awesome. Still hits me the same way, right? Think about that. You can have that's James Earl Jones reading the Bible to you, right? Somebody got Snoop Dogg to read the Bible to them. I don't know how that works, but, you know, I mean, I don't know if you crip walk while you read it. I don't know how that happens, but, like, you, you, have, you can have Snoop Dogg read to you, right? 
So, I mean, think about it. You, there are ways, but are you, are, you, are, you, are you grasping the accessibility that God has provided for us to have his word? Or because, because this is what happens. Sometimes because of accessibility, we think we have all the time in the world. And so it's like, who cares? You know, the nation of Israel was like that. In the Old Testament, there's a story. Now, 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 check this out. God had his entire nation wander through the wilderness. He would lead them by day by a pillar of a, a cloud and then at night by a pillar of fire. And they would just follow. Every morning, God would drop down food from heaven for them. He called it manna. And he also gave them quail. I kind of think it was a Chick-fil-A value meal. I'm not sure. But I'm thinking that's because that's, that's God's chicken, right? So he drops it down and, and, they, and they eat it. If they, if they collected too much, it went bad. On the weekends, it would, it would last twice as long. And they would give them twice as much in order for them to eat over the weekend. And God provided for them. There was one day that Israel got upset and they started complaining about what God was doing for them. And here's literally a quote from the nation of Israel. They said, we hate this bread that God drops from heaven. All we have is bread. Every day, the same thing. The accessibility that God allowed caused them to grow cold to the blessings of God. And I fear for some of us, especially some of us that have been saved for a while, the accessibility that we have to the word or our familiarity with it or our proximity to it have caused us to grow cold in actually realizing that it is God speaking to us. So for the first week, I want us to talk about what does it mean for Jesus to be the living word, okay? And so the reason why I want to bring this up before the next three weeks is because I, I kind of feel like if we, if we can grasp the biblical truth that Jesus is the living word of God. And we not only take that as a theological truth, but that it's advantageous to our life, then maybe, just maybe, you and I would not just take it more seriously, but we would recognize the essential nature that we should have being in the word. Okay? So what I want us to go from is it trend we want to transition from the word of God being something that helps us to the word of God being something that keeps us alive. That it goes from being extra to being essential. Okay? So that's where I kind of want us to head for the next few weeks. Is the word of God extra or is it just essential? And you say, "Rob, it's neither. I haven't been in it." Perfect. You're in the right room. Let's start. Right? You say, yo, I have never started this before. Or you don't know the last time I've read it, Rob. You don't understand how far behind I am. Hey, hey, hey. It's not like, you know, it, it, there, there's no spoilers in the Bible anymore. Right? I mean, it's been around for millennia. You know what I'm saying? I mean, people have read the whole thing, so you don't have to worry about being, things being spoiled for you. The, the, the ending, Jesus wins. I mean, done. Right? And because he wins, we won. I mean, it's... it's it's perfect. So good. that's the end of the story. So you know, this could have a good ending to it, right? But in the middle of all those books, there are going to be some things, a part of this journey about staying in the center of God's will, that's going to cause you to have to reflect and think. And here's the scary part. You're going to have to change some things in your life. But the great part is you don't have to do the changing. God will. As you, I'm, the center of God's will is, is literally, I mean, I know it's on coffee mugs, but it is letting go and letting God. It really is. 
That we decide, hey, you know what? I don't want to deal with this strife anymore. I don't want to deal with this anxiety. I don't want to deal. I don't want, my, I, man, my relationship with my parents stink. I, I have this ex. They won't let me see the kids. Everything's real. Just say, hey, you know what? God, I need you this year. I want to stay in the center of your will, and I'm counting on you to, to straighten all that stuff out. Is it going to happen overnight? No. Nothing good happens overnight. You guys know that, right? Nothing good happens overnight. It takes time. It takes sacrifice. It takes commitment. But all I need you do, to do right now is to just listen to what God's going to tell you. I want you to think about this phrase. We may want to write it down for the next four weeks. I want you to think about this, okay? We speak to God through prayer, and God speaks to us through his word. We speak to God through prayer, and God speaks to us through his word. This is why I'm telling you it's not extra, it's essential. If you want God to speak to you, he does so through his word. If anyone comes to you, or maybe this is your thought process, that God speaks to me in revelations and visions, and you can't back it up with the Bible, you may have had bad pizza the night before. Don't come to me and tell me God said this if you can't confirm it in that book. It's always been that way, and it will always be that way. The word of God is greater than any kind of direction you've gotten before. So it's important, okay? So we're going to go to a familiar passage of scripture. We've used this passage, this chapter, to go through our Christmas series. But I want to go back because I want us to focus on him being the word that dwelt among us, okay? So let's go to John chapter 1, and we're going to stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to read the first 18 verses of John chapter 1. The Bible says, In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things are created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. But he was not the light, but he came to testify about the light, the true light, that light that, that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And he was in the world, and the world was created through him, yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be the children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth." John testified concerning him and exclaimed, This was the one whom I said, The one who's coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time, no, and the one and only Son who himself God, who is himself God and is at the Father's side, he has revealed him. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks for standing. You can be seated. 
So we spent a lot of time over, over Christmas, uh, the, uh, the holiday season from Thanksgiving through New Year's, we spent a lot of time talking about John chapter 1. And we focused on the biblical truth that it wasn't just a, a concept of Jesus. It wasn't just a lot of people doing a lot of great things that would, that would accumulate and, 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 and just saying uh, like a generic, this is what a, a Jesus type would have done, an actual event happened on the human calendar that Jesus Christ was born. And from what we understand, the word of God saying is not just that he was born, but that he had, he was born of a virgin. Her name was Mary. Uh, she was a spouse to a guy named Joseph, but they've never consummated their relationship. There was no cheating going on. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she had a baby in the womb. And all of this was to fulfill prophecy that, that, you know, Jesus was going to be born as a human being, but in order to maintain 100% divinity, him being God and 100% man, there could not be the seed of man, only the womb of a woman. And so Jesus came forth of a virgin and he, he was born. He lived a life for 33 and a half years, just like a, a, anyone else would. But he was tempted like a, like a sinner, anybody else would, but never sinned once. And so this guy was 100% man and 100% God at the same time. And so when John, the, the apostle, he writes this, this letter he, and this gospel, this good news about who Jesus was, he goes back even further to when Jesus actually came on this earth and dwelt among us. So that's what we want to focus on. Even more important than the incarnation, Jesus coming to earth should lead us to find out more about him. Okay. So this is the thing I want you to see. I, I believe that if we try hard enough and search deep enough, we can almost always find Jesus in every book of the Bible. Okay, I'm not going to be dogmatic about that because there are actually some preaching styles that want you to find Jesus in every text, right? And so I'm cool until I get to numbers. And then I'm like, all right, Jesus was from these people. All right, let's pray. I mean, that, that's, that's it, right? You know, so I, I, I'm not completely dogmatic about it, but I'm telling you, if you search long enough, you'll find that Jesus Christ is the theme of every 66 books of the Bible. He's all throughout it. And so it's important for us to realize that when we pursue the Bible, we are pursuing Jesus. When we pursue reading the word of God, we are pursuing a closer relationship with Jesus because we're going to find something about our Savior. And so when John writes it, he puts it this way. He says, in the beginning. The beginning of what? The beginning of time. The beginning of everything, right? Our beginning, he was still around. And he says this, in the beginning was the word. The word was already there. And the word was with God and the word was God. And we talked a little bit about this during, during our series over Christmas. That the fact is it wasn't just that, that Jesus was around when God the Father was around. It wasn't that God the Father created Jesus. It was that no, as much as eternal that God the Father is, God the Son, Jesus Christ is. In the beginning was the word. And here's the characteristic I want us to focus in on. That he is the verbal expression of who God is. Think about that. I want you to grasp that for a second. Jesus is the verbal expression of an almighty God, which means what he says is divine. What he says has authority. What he says is life changing because it comes from the creator. He's just as much as the creator God as God the Father and God the Spirit. So his words have life. 
in the beginning was that type of word. And the word was with God. So he is with the father. They are in sync in, in, in their plan. So as we're trying to stay in the center of God's will, that means we are staying in the center of Jesus's will. So if you want to know what the father wants for you, you better want to know what the son wants from you because the father is going to speak through the son to tell you what to do. That's Jesus's executive position to tell us what God wants for us. And this important word was the word was with God. And the Bible makes it clear that he was God. So this verbal communication, this verbal expression of the Trinity is just as important as the spirit and the father. The spirit leads us to who? Jesus. The father says to trust in who? Jesus. Jesus is the center of our lives. If he's not, this is why everything goes haywire. All right, let's look at verse two. He was with God in the beginning. Okay, so he was there at creation. Here's what he says. All things, this is a bold statement. And if we never thought about it, I want you to think about it. All things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that had been created. All right, so why? Why is this important? So back in the book of Genesis, if you ever read the story of creation before Adam and Eve, before everything was, God is, and he all of a sudden, the Bible says that God says, let there be light, right? Okay, that's, that's textbook Genesis, right? And he'll talk about the first day being good, the second day being good, all these things being good throughout the six days of creation, right? Okay, the Bible says that God spoke, the word world into existence. Okay. How do you speak? What do we use to speak or to communicate? What do we use? Words, right? We should use our words. Some of us want to use our fists, but we should use our words, right? Some of us use eye rolling a lot as communication, but God wants us to use words. Words are the universal way that we speak, whether you type them out, whether you say them whether you sign them, any way that you use Morse code, you're creating words, right? So when the Bible says that God spoke the world into existence, we've already established that the word of God says that what? Jesus is the verbal expression of God. So who spoke the world into existence? Genesis 1 says all things were created through him. So Jesus, his executive role in, in, in creation was to speak it into existence. Pretty important job. And that same member of the Trinity that spoke the world into existence is the same one that tells the guy on the cross that he's forgiven. He's the same one that cries out, it is finished. He's the same one that says through his book, I love you. The almighty, unchangeable, creating God loves you so much that the same words that he used to speak the world into existence, he speaks salvation and life into you. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Jesus Christ is not just the living word. He is the source of spiritual life for you and me. And so this, this book... The Bible, the written word of God that contains what? God's living word, what Jesus says. 
This is why this book is infallible. This is why this book has been preserved over millennia. This is why we can trust every word in this book because it is just as powerful as God saying, let there be light. It's in here. Because if you think about it for a second, for somebody to to actually go from being an an enemy of God to becoming a, a child of God, for someone to actually have a death sentence on their way to hell to now having forgiveness and on their way to heaven, it does take that much power. For you to have no spiritual life to then have a new soul takes a lot of juice. And that only comes from Jesus. He's the only one that can make something out of nothing like he did with the universe. So this, for those of us who've received Jesus Christ, a word of encouragement, that new man that you have inside of you, that new person that that controls your, your spiritual life, the one that is actually the saved part of you, that power was creation type of power. He didn't reform you. He literally made something from nothing and put it inside of you. Your soul that's going to heaven has the same spiritual wattage that it took to create the universe. And that is what's available to us when we read the word of God. Because he says in him, there's life, there's light. And and there's so much light that no darkness can dispel this light. So no matter how dark it gets in your life, no matter how dark it gets in the world, this light can dispel that darkness. This book can take you from being so far away from the center of God, like a beacon or a lighthouse says, come on this way, come to the center. All of us, all of us who are have drifted away from God, the light can bring us back to the center of God's will. The, we can get back in the light. Do you realize that? Some of us, we think we're so far removed from the light that the word of God has to offer us, but the word of God is the living word, Jesus, and Jesus says in his love letter, come back home, come back to the center. Verse 6, he talks about, John the Baptist has came to, to share this, this word. And, 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 and um, here's what it says in verse 8. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into this world. So like we talked about, like John the Baptist, his job was to tell everybody, hey, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. I'm not him. I'm just talking about Jesus. And so why did this character uh, who was born uh, previously to Jesus so that he could share the message of Jesus? Why was he alive? to point people to this living word. And I submit to you, that's what the center of God's will will do for each and every one of us. Not only will it lead us to the center, my prayer is that Solid Rock will be full of people who lead other people to the light of God's word. Our, our main purpose is to bring people to Jesus. And once people come to Jesus, our purpose is to get them into the word. Because once someone gets into the word and someone's, once someone's life is transformed by the word, they can do nothing else but share that with someone else. And I want that for us. I want, I want that for us, for those of us who've been saved for decades. And it's been a while since we've led someone to Jesus. It's been a while since we talked about God and we just say, hey, come to church and visit. That's great. We'll, we'll receive them openly like, like, like we always do. But man, wouldn't it be great if the center of God's will looked like this for you? Hey, someone has a biblical question? Yeah, let's talk about that over lunch. So if someone wants to find out more about Jesus, you start sharing openly how Jesus has changed your life as you've been in the word. Let's see God use you instead of this place all the time. 
Let's see him use you. Because you realize if we don't have a building, we're still solid rock, right? You know that, right? You know like when you're at work, you're still solid rock, right? You're still a child of God and you're still part of, of this local church. You don't need to bring everyone here to answer questions that, quite frankly, those of us who've been saved for a while should be able to at least crack open the Bible and go, hey, let's start looking for that answer. I want us to have growth this year in this area of getting into the word of God. So here's what it says in verse 10 about Jesus. He was in the world, and the world was created through him. So remember, the idea that Jesus came and dwelt among us into his own creation. But here's what it says. The world didn't recognize him. It says that he came to his own, so his own nation, his own ethnicity, Jewish people, and his own people didn't receive him. Then he says, but all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be the children of God to those who believe in his name. So here's something, a little warning that I want to give you. Having this book available doesn't make this book, this, this book a life-changing force in your life. Okay? You having a copy of the Word of God on your coffee table doesn't make you more spiritual. Right? Okay? You... Having a, you, you having someone else's Bible that was handed down to you with all the notes and all the cool things is great. Praise the Lord for a godly heritage. But if you ain't picking it up and those highlights don't become your highlights, it didn't do anything for you. Having the book available, having the Bible available doesn't immediately mean your life is going to change. You have to appropriate and apply what it says. That's important because, I mean, John literally says, man, his own creation, his own people, his own nation, the, the special people that God chose to use their lineage to bring Jesus into the world didn't understand who he was when he got here. The prophets and scribes, the ones that should know, had no clue that Jesus was even coming when he came. So just because you're close to a copy of the Word of God or just because it's accessible doesn't mean that you've appropriated it and applied it to your life. I'm telling you that because here's what some of us are going to do. We're going to get excited and want to read the Bible. And you're going to ask me because some people already have. Oh, what's a good study Bible, study Bible, Pastor Rob? And I tell them the study Bible and they go buy the study Bible. They spend, you know, at least 30 to 50 bucks on a nice leather bound, beautiful Bible. They bring it to church. They show everybody I'm going to do that. And then by the mid-February, mid it's collecting dust. Why? Or you downloaded the latest Bible app and you haven't even opened it once. You haven't even signed in. You haven't even created an account. Why? Because you thought if you had it, then you would just automatically read it, right? Do you know the entire as seen on TV business is built on that lie? That we get it and we use it and we don't set it, but we do forget it. How many of us have, have at least six or seven things to scrub the dead skin off of our feet and we have it and we've used it maybe twice how many of us have sharper image on speed dial and then like you know we use that massager once and then it's done i mean come on how many rotisserie chicken makers do you need right we do this all the time, but the same thing is, oh, I'm going to get, I'm going to get this study Bible, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to get into the Word. And then what happens is, because we haven't made the true connection that Jesus is the living Word that is essential for our spiritual life, we just found the Bible, get this, as a new hobby. Make sure the Bible just doesn't become the latest, greatest thing that you want to do in 2023. 
like I said, the only goal we have for this year is to stay in the center of God's will. But that requires us to realize that being in the center of God's will is essential for our life. So John goes on to say, the, world, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now here's what's in this word. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son of the father, full of grace and truth. Verse, 11, verse 16 says, indeed, we all have received grace upon grace from his fullness for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus. So we talked about these gifts that we received through Jesus coming and, and, and those gifts are grace. The gifts all come from grace, this, this supernatural enabling, this unmerited favor that we have with God, getting something that we don't deserve from God, that we have the ability to live a spiritual life because of grace. And inside of this grace, one of the biggest graces that God gave us was that in his word, we can behold the glory of Jesus that we can behold the glory of what it means to be in the center of God's will. And this for us, this, is, this takes, requires a little bit of visionary thinking, but this is part of the grace that you've received, that's grace upon grace, that you are able to say, you know what, my life can be closer to Jesus today than it was yesterday. That we can have a visionary thought about what our life can look like if we get in the center of God's will. But I want you to take it slow. I don't want you to think what your life is going to look like a year from now. Okay? Here's what I want you to do. The Bible says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. The Bible says, give us this day our daily bread. I want us just to have this thought throughout the year. What am I going to look like tomorrow because I was in the, world, the word today? What decisions will I make tomorrow because I was in the word today? How will my life change? What, what, what um, things that I did wrong, what habitual things will stop happening tomorrow or begin to start happening tomorrow because I started reading my Bible today? So our, my prayer for you and your prayer for one another and your prayer for yourself should be this. What is my spiritual life going to look like on Monday evening because I started getting into the word this Sunday? Okay, Not, and, and this don't count. Okay, let's find some time today to get into the word. You'll have, you'll have community groups that will help you with that as well. So I want to, do we have any questions for community groups we can put up real quick? Do we have them? I'm just going to read them then. All right, so take your bulletins if you have it. Here's a couple of questions you're going to go over in your community groups. Um, you'll have the standard, the first and last is always going to be, what's one thing that stood out from you from this week's message? I know you're all going to bring up as seen on TV stuff. I know that's going to happen. And then question six is, how can I pray for you? But here's some questions. How do you think Jesus is, why do you think Jesus is referred to as the word of God? In what ways does Jesus reveal God? In what ways does it mean that Jesus is the personal and final revelation of God? Why do you think the incarnation is so important to our knowledge and understanding of God? So think about these questions. Make sure you grab a copy of the bulletin. It's also on the app. Um, and then what I want you to do is get ready for our community groups. They, they meet tonight. Um, and uh, we'd, love to, we'd love to share with you and share more about that tonight as well. All right.